Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ventures. I'm excited about today's episode with my good friend and world-class designer developer, Perry Azevedo. He and I talk about product design, how to compose a startup team. You know, when you're, when you're forming a company, there, there needs to be somebody who has the business aspects, somebody who understands the technical aspects, like if you're, if you're building a technical product. But what's often overlooked is the product and design and user experience aspects of things that sometimes the business person and the technical person think that they're good at, but they really aren't until you've worked with world-class people. So we spend time not only talking about Perry's story, how he has developed as a designer and developer, software engineer, but we also talk about how founders should be thinking about the process of the, the landscape of design. So if you're watching this show, you can also listen anywhere that you get your podcast. You can just search for ventures. And if you're listening, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com. And there you'll see more extensive show notes to the things that we talk about today, including the product startuprocket.com that Perry and I both built together. And you'll get a glimpse in terms of where Perry's skills are at, uh, we've had lots of positive comments about the, the experience design in that product. So with that, please enjoy this conversation with Perry Azubito. All right, Perry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this episode for a whole variety of reasons, but number one is that as we were getting Proto started, you were call number one as I was thinking through the network, like, who do I know? Who do I trust? Who's a good person? Who's really good at their craft, like world class at their craft? Because I could write code and kind of do the back end things, but to really bring experiences to life in a thoughtful and meaningful way, there's no other that I trust more than you to, to bring those experiences to life. I've been so impressed with your career over the years. So would you mind just starting? Just tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. That's, that's super generous. Um, yeah, my background is, is basically a combo of like design and, and technical, um, you know, I'm not like the super technical, like your, you know, backend infrastructure and stuff, but, um, but technical in the terms of like what the user sees what the user experiences, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it, it, it really starts like all the way back when I was a kid. I mean, I was the kid who like, you know, I played sports and stuff like everybody else. Uh, but I was, I loved like, you know, drawing Calvin and Hobbes cartoons or like pausing the Disney movies and seeing if I could draw characters. Mm. And then, and then the next moment I'm at the computer trying to figure out HTML and CSS, you know, and this is like back in the browser war days when we were just getting pictures and, and, you know, GIFs and uh, video you know, well, video then wasn't even a thing, but, uh, but so, yeah, that, that's where it kind of all, all started. And, mm. um, kind of my love for both of those things really crossed with what computers were starting to be able to do at the time. You know, this is back with windows 3.1. Um, you know, I was in paint trying like making it do things <laughs> that it wasn't meant to do. Yes. Um, my, I remember, you know, I was like, my parents found like the the most tech nerdy guy that they could find at their church was like he's drawing things in paint what do we do he's like get him coral draw just like get him coral draw and like it'll be good <laughs> so uh yeah that that kind of set me on a trajectory by that by the time i got to uh high school 
I was helping, you know, I was helping to teach uh, an HTML CSS class. Um, the the high school found like the only teacher who knew a little bit about that and put her in charge of like an entire class. Uh, and so there's another student and I that she leaned on to like help come up with curriculum. So we like helped build curriculum. Uh, and, and that resulted in me getting hired by our, our county government uh, right out of high school. So like I oh, built nice. their first website, uh, you know, Web, webmaster was the role back then like yes. I, there wasn't even web designers <laughs> so uh i did that and and uh and then throughout college you know i that kind of took a back seat became like a hobby as i did the band thing um and that that led me down you know down a road where i got a lot of exposure to bands started doing websites for bands you know websites for my own you know rock bands or garage bands or whatever um and then and then to pay bills, I ended up finding on Craigslist this uh, this ad for a, a shop in Seattle called Evo, or then known as Evo Gear. They were like buying used skis, and they needed to put them online, but they had to grade them, photograph them, you know, put them on eBay, put them on their website. Uh, so they needed somebody kind of with a mix of like, you know, a good eye for how to take photography, the skills to put this stuff online. So they needed technical expertise. So I got hired for that job. Uh, and that was kind of the first thing back into like professionally back kind of into that, that arena. Um, from there, I went to a, a computer shop. They needed a designer who could code. So I started helping them, you know, kind of like not, not a totally a rebrand, but like redesign a lot of their assets, their website, uh, and, and hit a point at that, at that job where I was like, you know, I can see like what good design is and stuff, but how, how can I like go through the process of actually making it better thinking through? So I ended up going to school back to school at that point uh, at Seattle Pacific. They have, have a communication, visual communication design degree that goes through like the thinking of design, design thinking. They go through like kind of the history of how that developed. Mm. I went through that uh, and that was a huge, I think uh, point in my like development as a designer where it went from like just, doing pretty things like putting a fresh coat of paint on stuff to where I was learning how to like think through what are the business decisions what are the like the user decisions like going through and and starting to to ask the questions of like why how can we make this better you know um and then using that to dictate what I'm actually designing so that was I think that was like the point where um I was like I want to do this you know just this like mm. over and over again um so so yeah after after that i i spent more time in the e-commerce world um i've been you know did some stuff you and i started doing some stuff i think right out of college uh various startups around seattle you know seattle was kind of a hotbed getting to be a mm -hmm. hotbed at that point for mm -hmm. startups you remember uh did some stuff with with some people from sdu on their early business ideas and we got those out in the world and that was fun uh, and then I kind of transitioned and did some nonprofit work, um, helped them with a, helped a, a nonprofit and see how a big redesign. This is right, right around when the web was doing responsive design. We're trying to mm -hmm. figure out like how to do responsive design. And, and so we had to go through a lot of those problems and figure out how to solve them, how to make websites and web apps that, that work for mobile and, you know, uh, tablets and desktops. And, uh, and then after that went to the agency world. Um, that was, that was fun, but that, that kind of like 
made me really go like, I like doing digital products is mm. kind of what I learned going through the agency stuff. I really enjoy making digital products. Um, so I went and uh, from there, I got a, I got a job offer from Squarespace in New York. And my wife and I and our, our one year old, one year old at the time, we decided to pick up, move from Seattle to New York and uh, went and worked for Squarespace. And that was just a, a ride. I mean, mm. I, I was I was like, I don't know, employed 200 something uh, when I got hired and they tripled in size in a year, year, year and a half time. Mm. Uh, so just rapid growth. So uh, I learned a ton there. I mean, world class JavaScript engineers, world class designers. Uh, I felt like, a, uh, you know, a fly on the wall, just getting to soak up and learn so much. Mm um just world class how to build product how to build product at scale how to you know how to go through um like just all the data that they are able to collect and synthesize and then turn into good design decisions um and then uh yeah from there i decided like hey i want to get come back into like early startup stuff because i really enjoy the multi-hat right like i like designing and i like developing i like mm. kind of like you were saying like i like going from that or even early branding uh, exercises and kind of going all the way through to actual product. Um, and so that's that's kind of what led me down the path of like going out on my own, opening my own shop. Uh, I was working in a co-working space with a bunch of other people who do similar stuff. Uh, and that's that's when I got the call from you of like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh I think you were, I think you had been going around and interviewing like different startup studios at the time that was like just starting to like that, that was becoming a little bit of a buzzword, even though it'd been around for, I think a couple of years by then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, you explained, you know, at, at least at the time, what, what that, you know, idea is, what a startup studio is, how it works. And I think my words to you were, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of what led to the early days of Proto with you and me, you know, experimenting with different, you know, business ideas, getting to know other people, expanding the network, experimenting with uh, different flavors of what has become Proto. Uh, yeah. It's been been quite the journey thus far. It, ha sure. it, ha it has. <laughs> so I'd love to go back to when you first, let's say the government job right out of high school. Sure. Yeah. Um, thinking about the evolution, you know, cause you're, you're now at a, at a world-class design and development level, but I'm curious from an education standpoint to kind of follow the thread about the mm -hmm. development of your own understanding of design for human beings, specifically yeah. digital interfaces. So if you could think back to your, your, your government job, what was your, what was your design process then? What tools were you using to bringing those experiences to life? Mm -hmm. Even even in those early days, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, tools then there were not as many when it comes down to what we have now. Yeah, but uh, but you know, like with the government, I mean, there's you know, there's so many different. Um, that's an interesting one. There's so many different stakeholders, quote unquote. I mean, yeah. a lot of your stakeholders are are the people your your officials are working for. Mm. So it was interesting with that one is that that was a very um, by the nature of what we were doing, uh, you, you're, you're forced to think about your user. I mean, this is before we were even, I think talking about user centered design, 
Uh, I don't know if that language we, we even had then, but but that's essentially what what that was. I mean, there was no uh, marketing or web department then. Uh, so I think the department that hired me was like the transportation and land services. And that was because they were the ones who needed stuff on the web the most. And some of the, some of the stuff that they needed besides like the typical, like we, 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 you know, designed out and thought through like, how is, how is all these different departments structured and how can we represent that on the website? When people go to the website, what are they actually looking for? Like, they don't need to just see like, you know, (laughs) they don't need to see the org chart, but they, but they are looking for a specific department or a specific person, or they need to talk to somebody. And yeah. so a lot of the process is just that, right? Like who's going to be visiting this website? Mm. What are they get, What are they here for? And how can we get them that information or that contact info or whatever as quickly as possible? And then there, and then there are just other things that are the nature of, of what they do. So like the transportation land department, at least, at least in, you know, the Wenatchee Valley, I mean, a lot of what they, we're dealing with at least at the time where you know neighbors calling and complaining that hey my my neighbor's raising pigs i don't think they're inside city limits i don't think they can do that or or you know my neighbor's got like seven ten different cars you know parked a lot around their property like it's not a junkyard can you do something about this and so they had this process of like we need to go out photograph get evidence and then they were trying to figure out how do we digitize this process i mean they were using you know film cameras and <laughs> had to go develop it and so we did a lot of digitization of that stuff as well uh in addition to like the public facing website there are also like the internal side of that where we could send somebody out with a digital camera bring it back they give it to so-and-so that gets put on an internal site you know so that they can go through and and do their job um so yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of that was what we now call, you know, user-centered design thinking, uh, thinking through like what what are those those user flows, what are those stories, those user stories, like the the like beginning to end, like here's where they start, here's what they need to accomplish and where they need to end up. Mm. And then and then designing our digital experiences around those real world scenarios. So how did your how did your understanding and development of, of even your own craft um, change from when you went to school. So it sounds like you were doing a lot of work before that, just sort of tinkering around, getting some professional experience. Yeah. And then you had mentioned kind of school was sort of a big shift. What, what specifically in, in the craft do you think developed or what perspectives changed after going through formal training? I, I think a lot of that was like the, fo- the formalizing of a lot of what I was learning kind of like mm. you know uh i was learning on the job and through experiences but like what it what the what school for me you know so i think some people can uh into it a lot of that stuff naturally without school i mean I, i've got lots of designer friends who i mean man they just they they get that that mm. process for me at the time like i intuited some of it but there was a i think for me there's a disconnect uh into making making it visual um and for so school for me was like taking that like the the hypothetical or the philosophical and then get it gave me the tools of like here's here's all the like historical like thinking that has been done and experimentation that's been done on how to actually 
translate business goals into something visual, right? So everything from, I mean, what, as an example of, of the kind of stuff we did in, in this design school, I mean, they had us take different, uh, different fonts, uh, typefaces, and they had us print them out on gigantic pieces of paper, like and just pieces of one letter and had us trace uh, or, or, uh, or even like just on a separate piece of paper, try to recreate just like a piece of an E or a piece of an S or a piece of a T. Um, you know, and when we, when we first did that, I mean, they didn't tell us why at all. And we're all like, this is really weird. Why are we doing, I mean, we're not even doing the whole letter. Um, and then as we went on through that, you know, semester, what I learned was, uh, they were training our eye to see every little piece of, of anything visual, whether it's, whether, uh, you know, it's blown up or it's, you know, from far away. And then in subsequent semesters, we started going through the, the, like the principles of design, which include things, you know, things like if it's a curve, there is an emotional response to a curve that is mm. different than a sharp angle, mm. you know, cause in, in real life, if you encounter something that is like, that's a sharp angle, especially something like maybe metal, right? Like that, you know, from experience that that's potentially dangerous mm. or right. If you touch it, you could get, you could get cut or scraped something that's soft or, or, or well, something that's rounded is softer or safer, dull, um, right. Like your pillow, you have an emotional response to that's very different than a rock. And that's why you sleep with the pillow under your head and not a rock. And so visually our psyche takes cues from things, whether we realize it or not, that are very similar to just what we experience in the real world. And so for me, design school was, was learning all those things that we all know innately, but actually like having us think about them and internalize those in a way that as we're designing, we're actually thinking through those things. And then even the silly, you know, the silly stuff they had us do, like blow up giant letters, man, that trained my eye where, where now it's like, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm mentoring another designer who's working on a logo, um, you know, they might have like the concept down and, and, uh, and it's, it's a great concept, but then I can come in and even help like, Hey, let's tighten this up so that this is going to to like communicate everything that your concept is, right? Like your concept's great, and these pieces are communicating, but these pieces over here are in tension with that concept and communicating the opposite of what you're intending, right? Um, so I think for me, that's what that's what design school really helped was was linking the the craft with the philosophical. Yeah. So in broad strokes, then in in startup land, when you think about the executive team that that gets an idea off mm -hmm. off and running you know the, there's typically a business person and a technical person and what's often missing is the product design experience so there's even been this 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 triad of hacker hipster and yeah right right hacker yeah. hustler hipster um, yeah yeah you know even when we were started our, the, the original venture studio we, we started building products because i was a little bit more of a business person and a and a and a, and a hacker programmer program, mm -hmm. and you were the product design uh yeah a little bit of hack. that experience which is why we were able to be effective what is yeah. your advice for business people who are maybe pairing with a technical person who think mm -hmm. that they don't ah they don't need design <laughs> they're just gonna mm -hmm. or whatever that means right 
uh, they're just going to get off and running. What, what is your advice for somebody, let's say even before they even are choosing their team, and as, then they, they understand that this day and age, the, the consumer experience, the, 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 the design of their product is extremely mm-hmm. essential. I think the world is waking up to that now. Yeah. What, what, what is your advice for that, for that founder as they're thinking about um, finding, finding their, their co-founder in that, in that realm? Yeah. I, you know, I'd say like, there's, there's the two pieces of design. I mean, there's probably more than that, but I mean, what, in relation to what you're asking, you know, there's the, there's the design that everybody that that founder needs to hire needs to be doing at different levels, which is, which is the, the experience. And, you know, some founders are fantastic at it because they're, you know, they had, they had, if they had the original idea for this, you know, they, they have the vision of what it should be. Um, they, they're thinking through business decisions. So they, so they usually will have a really good um, handle on the user story. And that, and that is a lot of design right there. That's what we call like design thinking. And, and I, you know, so that's the, that's the one piece is that if you don't have a good handle on that from a product perspective, you need that person. And that might be your technical founder. That might be a designer or a, or a product, uh, you know, person, but, but you should have, you know, in my, in my opinion, a triad is, is a really good founding team. Um, and, and you see throughout history, like in a lot of these, uh, these duo teams, um, they have all the three, the three skill sets. Yes. You know, so, so whether it's two or three people, the, the three skill sets are that like CEO, CTO, and then, and then that, you know, design or product thinking. And it's, and it's more than just the visual. It's that, uh, that overall like design thinking, user centric thinking. Um, you know, when it comes to the visual side of design, I think that's become now uh, just a given in in our industry. Like with with digital products, it, it's so prolific now. Everybody has a phone. I mean, more people are on the internet through a phone than a computer now, right? So it's it's really becoming this ubiquitous technology that that is permeating the world. And and you know, I think the projections are that eventually most of the third world. Uh, countries as well are going to be using cell phones. Um, so it's, it's this, this uh, design is everywhere and, and people are starting to just expect when they go to a website or they download an app that it's just going to, it's going to look good or it's going to work well. And if it doesn't, um, because, because of the nature of these devices and, you know, download speeds, the ability to pull up a, a website and get to whatever you're looking for so quick, uh, you know, our uh, our expectations in our brains now have gotten way shorter than previous generations of of like how long we're willing to wait for things. So, if your app or your website doesn't uh, go fast, if it's not optimized, and if it's not a enjoyable experience, people don't have the patience for it. So, I think those are the things that you know a founder needs to be thinking through. Is like, hey, like beautiful design as well as functional design um as well as the overall overall experience like those need to be in concert and so uh if you or or your technical founder are missing any of those pieces then that's your next that's your next co-founder or your first hire 
get that get that design lead or that uh, product lead, you know, because um, they're going to be able to help you think through those those pieces. So if you had to pick one, what what would you pick? Because the, the, basically, the business people and technical people, from my experience, tend to just either over straight up overlook mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the importance of of product and design, or if they know that it's needed, they basically say, okay, so-and-so just make it look pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> without, without an understanding of the whole universe that is design and branding and bringing those, you know, the, the whole architecture of the experience for the consumer. So what, yeah. what should the business person and the technical person from it, from an education perspective, you know, you've, yeah. you've, you've touched on a lot of it, but maybe to summarize it, what should they be at least aware of in terms of all the different facets of who they should be looking for? And then who should they focus on if they had to pick a skill set? Because obviously it's impossible to find somebody that can do all of it. But yeah, in early yeah. stage startup land, where, you know, where would they? Where would you I go? mean, early, early stage startup land, I, I just, I, it, I think it really depends on those, those, that business person and that technical person and, and what they can cover or not. If they, uh, you know, if they can think through the design thinking, the, the, the overall like product mm. stuff, get a, de- get a really good designer, mm. you know, mm. get, get a really good designer. Who's going to be able to focus in on, uh, making it look good, of course, but also helping you translate those user stories and those user flows and those business goals into a product that doesn't just look good, but that, that functions well. And if you have a hard time thinking through, like if you're you're the founder and you have a hard time thinking through like digital product in terms of like those user flows or user stories, you know, find a product person. The product person can hire designers to help with the actual like pushing pixels. Um, but getting that that person who can think through product is key. And if that's not the two of you or the one of you, <laughs> like that, you know. And like I said, sometimes you're you're. I work with a lot of CTOs for really, really good product people. So if your CTO is, is the, yeah. the product guy, then go get that designer. And then yeah. the two of them, the two of them are going to be, you know, they're going to be the dynamic duo when you've got a CTO or, or a, a designer, uh, you know, and designer now, I mean, it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's a chief level, maybe that maybe they're your first hire and it's a like yeah. design lead. That doesn't matter. Give them the title they want. Like titles don't really matter, but, but getting a really good designer and a really good technical person, as long as one of those people can do the product, uh, the product design, the, the UX, uh, if that's not you, um, then, then you're good. And, and that's a good word. And a word of caution to the business folks out there, because I've been down this road many times myself. I used to think that I understood product. I used to think that I understood the markets I was going after and could could design a product from an architecture standpoint and hand it off to a designer. But it wasn't until in the, let's say the last 10 years that I started working with world-class product people that I realized that that's not my skill set. I'm not patient enough. It requires a, a tremendous amount of diligence into understanding the, the, the customers that I tend to be a little bit too impatient, too, too a little off the cuff thinking like, oh, it'll all work out and they'll understand this. But that's so many products the last 30 years yes. have been built by people who think that they are good at product, but aren't. So I would, for the founders in there who think they're good at product, I would highly recommend ask your friends if they think that you're good at product 
And even what we mean by product is different than the, the, you know, we've been sort of setting up this dichotomy between product and design. Obviously they're interwoven, but it's important to understand the distinction because being able to understand the market and the customer deeply, empathetically, who they are as a human, what their yeah. problems are, how their emotions, all the different aspects of their emotional response that you talk to, and then being able to take that to architecturally set up what the product should be. That's what we mean by product. Yeah. And so then how you bring that to life, that requires a different type of skill set. So I th- in my, from my experience, most people don't understand that nuance. And I think the yeah. earlier you can understand that, uh, the better. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I'd say like, I think, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit of truth in, in the like, you know, if your design, you know, there was, I don't know, I don't remember the phrase, but like, you know, you, you are, if you're the audience, you know, you're making something for you. Um, you know, there is a level of um, ability we're all going to have to be mm-hmm. able to design for ourselves, right? That's, that's, a, that's true. But, um, you know, nowadays it's like with so many things, uh, it, it, it's not just, it's not just you. It's not going to be just you. You might, you might have some initial, you know, true gut reactions and, and thinking through your product idea, especially if, if you are one, like one of the first users and you're making it for yourself, uh, cause it's something you see a need, like, of course, but as soon as you get that out in the world and people, anybody, anybody, anywhere can download it. Um, it's not going to be just you, you know, as the user, uh, you know, and I think, I think a lot of us who have, um, grown up in the, in like kind of the, the traditional tech world come, you know, I mean, you and I have not been in like lived in the Valley. We've been to the Valley, but, um, but I think historically it's been like that or Seattle, which has been predominantly, you know, Caucasian or, or like for us in Seattle, Asian, um, men who have built this stuff uh that's not that's not the audience it's Mm. this stuff is global and so you've got to think globally you've got to think through your product being in you know any any race religion you know background disability like you got to think through all that kind of stuff with your product um so it does like you said it takes a lot of time a lot of a lot of thinking a lot of a lot of critical thinking a lot of testing getting it out in, in actual users' hands, getting their feedback. Um, and there is a good deal of, you know, intuition that goes into it as well, but you can't, you can't just do that. So two of our earliest products, as we were getting, getting the party started with Proto, I remember in the early days, one, we came alongside a founder named Patrick. We have ep- actually an episode, I'll link to it in the show notes. Yes. He came to us with an idea. I'd uh, love, to, love to chat about that a little bit. And then, and then we were also had our own idea because in the early days we were just cranking out our own things with mm-hmm. startup rocket. And so that was, that was an interesting journey as well, but let's, let's start with vendor Hawk. So Patrick came to us with an idea mm-hmm. where he wanted to help medium to large size enterprises manage their spend for, yeah. for, for all their SaaS products. And it's often a bit of a zoo and in, in large enterprises or even medium sized businesses don't understand how much they're spending. How, when you, when a founder comes to an idea like this, from, from your product and design perspective, what are the first things that you think about? Like, I don't know if you remember those first conversations with Patrick, but like, how did you even go about the process to identify what kind of visual identity and what kind of 
what kind of logo because I mean you did the logo like how mm-hmm. what, what what was the thought process through that I mean we just we started with um you know what the product is how he envisions it who he envisions using it uh you know like you said it was this was going to be for um you know all different size companies that more larger companies that have you know lots of different software products that they're subscribing to you know have licensing deals with different departments you know these are companies that have multiple departments and so you've got this department who's using this software and that's this you know so we we went through that whole process of like figuring out who exactly is using this and uh and then who's going to be buying it because you know in a large corporation um you know person who's buying it's often different than the, the people who are using it so we went we went through that whole exercise and dialed in the messaging uh so that it would be you know both both to the people who are using it because because often um it's you know what we kind of found through through our study was like it's going to be somebody who's like searching for the like searching for this kind of a thing mm-hmm. or or we're going to be targeting targeting a specific kind of person who has the the pain of like trying to figure this out and then also making sure all the messaging is lined up for the people who are making a buying decision. Um, and then from there, we're going through like uh, a combination of what, what the services that they're offering and, and thinking through different archetypes. And like, like you said, you can refer to the, um, the podcast that you did with uh, Natalie and Elizabeth on, on some of the more like, branding specific yeah. uh stuff but we we went through many of those exercises and uh and then tried to like combine that with some of the like uh, you know i referred to like even like in design school for me like how do you take some of these uh these principles or these like different philosophical ideas we've got about who who who's buying this and who you are as a company providing this and translating those then to like something that's actually um, giving you that feeling, right? Yeah. Like that's, and then it really does come down to that feeling. I mean, we are very, we like to think as humans that we're very logical beings because we have logic, but we're actually more emotional than we are logical. And we operate out of those emotions often way more than we do our logic. So a lot of the the visual, like the logo, how it looks, all that really comes down to like, how does this make buyer feel about this, yeah. this product and trying to connect that to the truth of the product, right? Like this product is, is really trying to simplify all your different spend. And so we need to communicate that in a way that you feel that, not just that you're reading it because most of us don't read. We We see first and then we read. So... And that ended up being a, a very important foundation for Patrick as he was able to then focus on selling, uh, get, getting, getting his initial customers. So I'll link to the show on that so you can, so listeners and, and viewers can, can, can hear that story in depth because it's, mm-hmm. it's quite amazing. And they ended up within three years ended yeah. up raising money and then selling successfully to service now. So that, that's, that's quite the journey that also put a little validation. Which is, our, which is yeah. not, which is not normal. Like, not normal. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's like a, what, an average, like 10 years before. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So then, so then the second product, so that was an angle, you know, for us helping out founders, which we do at Proda. And that's, that's pr- frankly what we do more now these days. Mm-hmm. But in the early days, we were also uh, building our own products. So, 
Do you want to talk a little bit about Startup Rocket? I mean, we built that. You and I literally, like I was, we were both writing code. I was on the business side of things. You were on the mm-hmm. consumer experience. So you and I cranked that out very quickly and launched an initial marketing campaign. But do you want to share yeah. a little bit about, you know, I've had so many, so many positive comments about your design and user experience in that app over the years. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you developed that and how, how you were thinking about that product? And even for those who aren't familiar with Startup Rocket, you want to, you want to share a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. And you're 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 thinking specifically like like the the, the branding and the the design visual design of it, or kind of well uh, holistically. I, even that's yeah, insightful yeah, yeah. to know that it, you know it's, okay. it's, it's a bigger world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the the idea of it really in the early days for us was I mean we were using Google Docs for so many different things, right? You know, because like I mean early on, right? We had no budget and uh, and uh, we were interacting with so many different people right like we had one project over here one project over there um and uh that got to a point where it was just getting like we need something to to organize this better you know <laughs> <laughs> like i mean google docs are awesome and we still use those today but uh but for the actual like going through the process of of building a startup like kind of soup to nuts as we we sometimes say like um we we had a, a kind of a, a good framework in our in our mind and we needed it not uh not having to recreate it all the time so yeah. we that that's really where it came down to is like let's just build this into an app that we can you know whether whether uh you've already done you know the first several pieces of this you know or somebody's some you know sometimes somebody came to us with hey we've we've done x but now we're at y and we need help here you know, we we also built the products so we could just jump in at Y and 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 go go from there. Uh, so yeah, Startup Rocket is it's it's essentially a a, a startup tool for going from your uh, beginning idea, like going through that ideation process, validating that that idea, and going through that process. And uh, you know, and and a lot of these, you know, you you'll go back through as you have to pivot or you have to like uh, iterate and uh, and then creating that product uh growing that product funding that product um so startup rockets really really built as a an online tool that you can uh you can use in in building your your business um on the yeah on the design side of it i mean you i think had the name startup rocket uh already and uh and so you kind of came you could already came with that name um and and we had, we might have done a couple iterations to see like you know should we do something else but we really liked it. it's a good name really good brand uh you know and so the the visual identity it was kind of easy from there i mean you have a name right. like startup rocket it right. was like there's not a lot of i mean you could you could get esoteric with it if you want to but uh when you're talking about startups and launching <laughs> a startup the the brand kind of speaks for itself so uh yeah a lot of the visual identity was it was a a quick rapid, uh, exercise we did at the time of just going through like what's some historic, uh, you know, um, imagery and, uh, graphic design we can pull from. Fortunately, there's a lot of like great graphic designers, uh, who have done some really great, you know, work. And we were able to get inspired by some of their work, uh, when we were putting ours together. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we, we set the brand and, and got a really early, uh, uh, you know, template to then build upon, and we 
iterated and built built on that over the years. So, yeah, and even I remember the teams that were helping us even through that initial identity as we were roundtabling it. The 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 hexagon logo. There happened yeah. a lot of comments on that. It was actually a hint. Was 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 because of my background as a scientist. It was a hint yes. to the benzene ring, as because the founders need to be scientists. They need to be running experiments yeah. and continuing continually learning. So it was a bit of a hat tip to that. Yes, which, uh, I've always sort of secretly uh, appreciated, even though many people don't necessarily know the origin of that that aspect. Well, and there's that's that's another fun thing about design too, right? Is like you go through logos and, and, you know, illustrations that companies use. And there's a lot of stuff like that yeah. out there that people don't even realize. Yeah, and, yeah. and honestly, like that, the, you know, the, a hexagon shape, I, we, you and I talked about this at the time, like that does have a, a little bit of, of uh, just uh, innate communication that people just receive when they see a hexagon like that's going to say certain things Even that are like more, nuts and bolts yeah, yeah it's like it's so like, you, yeah. you get that like that technical sciencey feeling from that but like the, the specifics of what you just outlined like 99 percent or more of the people out there aren't going to ever know that <laughs> but it's but it's a but it's a it's still a really fun thing to put that in right, right? because for those of us who who work on startup rocket and are part of that team it's it's like this inside joke or not joke but you know in sure. inside uh easter egg that right. that we enjoy you know right yeah. yeah and so from there i mean that so we we ran that initial marketing campaign thousands of people signed up for it and mm -hmm. then we and then all we realized oh okay we as an organization are using it to work to to administer and track our own ventures through our own venture yes. studio but then other organizations said that hey we could we use this software to organize our own incubator programs or business oh yeah i mean we had we had incubators yeah. right out of the gate asking if they could use it right yeah exciting exciting times so for you then for you personally what at, in your next level because I, I know that you're you're a lifelong learner and you're constantly learning things. What is the next stage for you? Like for, for somebody at your level of design mm -hmm. and product sensibilities, what is the next horizon for you? Give us, give us a little glimpse in terms of how, how you're, you're growing and the things that you're thinking about these days. Yeah. I mean, right now there's, um, there's a lot more you can do with what, what we're just calling no code. Um, I remember, I remember having a conversation with you, uh, a couple of years back where I told you, uh, Will, we're, we're coming on a reality in the future where um, we're not going to need to code anymore. <laughs> I remember, you remember this? I, was I like, remember this. Yeah. I was like, we're going to be able to talk to Siri and, you know, or whatever the virtual assistant of the future is and be like, okay, I want to build an app and here's, you know, and then you just talk your assistant through it. And then the computer, you know, using using ai and all the massive amounts of uh you know open source software we have out there uh you know i was envisioning this this future reality where it's going to be able to pick the best you know it's going to learn from the the best of code that's out there and it'll put the code together for you and so in my mind you know i see this future where like designing is going to be way more important when i say designing i'm talking mm. more less the vi i mean the visuals will still be needed but um but even more just like the product like thinking through yeah. the user story the user flow that's going to become even more important because that's what programming is going to be 
Mm. And then, and then on the other side of that, you know, your, your deep programmers who are, who are working on AI and, and thinking through architecture and teaching, teaching the AI, like there's going to be a human component with even teaching the AI in the future on, on how to build this software. And, uh, so anyway, I remember, I remember saying that like way back and, and, uh, and what's cool is that now for the visual side of that, we're starting to see a bunch of companies out there who are doing this, this no code stuff, which is the first steps of that reality. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's a kind of a one thing that's on my horizon that I'm starting to play around with and, and getting really excited about what you can put out there, especially for a startup to be able to like have that idea and then just go and get something out in the world that works that people can start using. I mean, now you can get your, your validation uh, immediate with something that looks and feels real and is real. That's the crazy thing. Like you, what you can do with these no code um, tools out there now. I mean, you could start getting customers and and getting paid on something you build without touching really much code, if any code at all. So, yeah, I think that that future we're starting to see more and more uh, deal flow from people that are that are on their no code solutions that are that are looking to make that transition um, in into their own custom applications and so they've already they've they're ahead of the uh, the curve a lot because they've had to they've thought about product they've, they've saved time to be able to think more deeply about their customer so that when it comes to the time for them to build their own application they already have a lot of those product learnings in place so that working with somebody like you into their custom software can just take that to the next level which is which is which is pretty amazing yeah for so, sure so then for you, I'd imagine the process, I'd imagine it's extremely satisfying that you can go all the way from your deep design expertise, all the way to coding, to bringing those experiences to life and web and mobile experiences. What, what, what for you is, is that like, what is that level of satisfaction to be able to go soup the nuts? Cause you can do the software engineering and you can do the design. But what I'm, I'm also curious, because not everybody can do that. What what are also the limitations for you personally that maybe you've you've found in that? If 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 any, I'm curious how you how you think about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they talk about like uh, the the T individual a lot, and for those who aren't familiar, that's like where you know even even those of us who do like are more generalists, which is what I really am. I'm more of a generalist than anything. Um, you know, the being able to touch lots of different disciplines is your the top part of your T, right? And then and then the bottom part of your T is supposed to be longer. That's where you go more deep, more in depth. I think, you know, I think for me that that bottom section of the T tends to be more of the like the the user experience mm. parts of that, right? Mm. So it's it is the visual uh UI, it is the like the thinking through of the the consumer, the customer, right? The user. Um, like I did do really well being able to get into that space and think through the implications of things and, and, and making sure we're eliminating, eliminating pain is what it comes down to, right? Just like making sure that you can get from point A to point B without confusion or, or without getting lost or, you know, so for me, I think that's, that's the, the mm. deep part of me. Um, and and specifically with digital products, I mean, you know, I've I've done throughout my career, I've done stuff in the physical, like I've 
directed music videos. I have, you know, I've, I've made print material for, you know, for marketing campaigns. I've done a lot of like the traditional graphic design and, and, you know, some photo video. And it's like, you know, I can, I can uh, hack my way through that stuff and enjoy the process. And because I'm a creative, I can, you know, produce good stuff, but, but my sweet spot is it's, it's digital, Mm. like digital products, uh, that UX UI getting into the code, um, you know, and, uh, any, but even like, even like then on the coding stuff, even though I've been able to pick up most, most technologies and that kind of thing, you know, there'll be guys in code circles around me. Um, but then like, I can, I can think through the implications of like, okay, here's some different framework options we have. Mm. Why are we using this one over this mm. one? Like that's where I tend to exist is more in the, I can think, I can think way down the road. Yeah, and that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Like what are the implications of us picking this framework over this one? Where is that going to bite us? Um, do we need to roll our own? That kind of, like, you know, that kind of stuff I think is where I, my strengths are. That T analogy, I think is, is that, that, that way of sort of typing, people is important because mm-hmm. you know, as an, as and I'm thinking to the founders that are getting their idea off and running, they may be more the CEO types, the business, the kind of the hustler type. The, the reality is that yes, you can find lots of generalists, but identifying where somebody's vertical, where, where they can go deep and really become an expert in something that's often difficult in early stage startup land. That's difficult to identify. And I think for you to understand your team so that you find somebody who's really good on the technical <laughs> and somebody who's really good at the holistic aspects of branding and design, um, that's, those are the two things that are really needed as, 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 um, in, in combination with the business side of things, I think, to really, like you said, that whether that's one or two or three people, rarely one person. Yeah. Those yeah. skill sets being as part of that early team, I think, is extremely important. Agreed. So this has been an amazing conversation. I, a good part one, I think, introduction to to yeah. a number of the different topics that we talked about today. Where can people find you online? Um, people can find me uh, most most social places uh, at just my name. I have Perry Azevedo on most everything that's out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can, you can go to protoventures.com. Uh, I'm on the team team page there. They'll take you to my LinkedIn and uh, and and then you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just forward slash Perry Azevedo. You'll find me. Well, very insightful conversation as always, Perry. I'm excited to share this with the world. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, a couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe and you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. Number two, my partners and I at ProtoVentures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. 
And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.